Welcome, welcome to Parkview. We're glad you're here. Welcome on the internet. Glad you're watching us. Um, how about Carrollton, huh? Pretty awesome stuff, right? If you're, uh, if you're watching my sermon on the internet, you should go back and watch the whole service so you can get some of this worship stuff. And uh, you guys, uh, they got a, Carrollton's got a booth out there, get some of their music. Um, really, really fun. Uh, I think the combination of uh, me preaching about worship last weekend and you guys listening and then having Carrollton has just been unbelievable. You guys are engaged. You have risked it. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that. I had, a, I had a buddy text me and say, I think this is the first time I ever sung above a whisper. So way to go. All right, let it happen. This is the time of year where, um, where it's kind of like preseason for us, you know? I mean, it's kind of like we're getting ready to roll into an unbelievable fall. We have got things going on. I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like a, a parent at Christmas. I want to tell you some of the cool stuff that we're getting ready to do, and, uh, you know, mommy won't let me. Um, tell you yet. Bill Brown won't let me tell you yet. So, um, I, you know, I just have to wait and do it. But you'd expect us to get ready for the season by talking about the things that we talk about. Just like a football team is going to, you know, they're going to go, you know, training camp. They're going to go back to the basics. This is, this is the basics. So we talked about risking it, getting involved in serving. We talked about risking in worship. That's what we did last week. Today we're going to talk about relationships. Next week we're going to talk about sharing your faith and inviting people and all that kind of stuff. You, you get that, okay? Here's, here's where I'm going with this. Yesterday I was working out and I worked, I don't know about you, but I work out to like motivational music, you know? metal or, you know, or classic rock or, or, or something, you know. I, I just need a little, you know, highway to hell going on in the background so I can get pumped up to make things happen. So I'm on the new Apple Music thing. I don't know if you've tried it or not. Um, I, so far, I like it, except every once in a while, it just does something weird. Does it happen to you? So literally, I'm working out yesterday, and it switches over from the hard rock music that I'm listening to to Michael Buble. I don't know if you work out to Michael Buble or not, but God bless you if you do. I don't. And it wasn't just Michael Buble. It was, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And I'm like, no, no, this is not right. At Christmas time, we have Christmas music. In August in the church, we talk about getting engaged and getting ready to go because this is, this is the season for us, the school season. And there's a lot of stuff going on. So I want to talk about relationships. So let, me, let me start by talking about the first time I ever got to ride a Harley. It was always, you know, always on my bucket list, always, you know, really, I, I just, I had a motorcycle when I was younger, and, you know, I always thought it would be good, and I wanted to ride around, so I rode around one weekend morning. My neighbor had one. He's got a fat boy, and he let me borrow it. I drove around, and I noticed something nobody had told me about before, but um, people on other Harleys would wave at me, you know, and, and I didn't know there was a, a Harley wave. I didn't know that. Did you know that? Nobody had told me that before. It's kind of like, you know, one finger, two fingers, just down here, you know, you're just riding along. It's kind of a wave acknowledging, hey, you know, you're a part of the gang. How you doing? All right? And I bonded with the Harley riding community that morning. But I felt a little guilty because it wasn't my Harley. <laughs> I felt like there ought to be a way for me to be honest and just say, it's not mine my wife won't let me have one. She's afraid I'll hurt myself. You know, I don't know what kind of wave that would have been. I, you know. Hi. So that's what it would have been, right? I just decided to go for it. So I rode around. I just had so much fun being part of the club. Hey, how you doing? You know, acting like I was tough. Now, it's an exclusive club. Um, if, you're, if you're a Harley rider, most of them won't wave at somebody on a crotch rocket. 
you know, and they're, they're, they're just not going to. They're not sexist about it at all. They'll wave at a woman on a Harley, but, you know, it has to be the right kind of, 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 of motorcycle. They would not wave at this woman for several reasons. Number one, she's on a scooter. And number two, if you'll notice, she has her helmet on backwards. All right? Now, if she does not get a wave, okay? So what I'm saying is it's... Uh, it's fun to be one of the cool kids, right, isn't it? And I was uh, a real part of the Harley Club later on. I actually did get my own Harley. And my wife is right. And I did wreck it and broke my collarbone. And if I hadn't been wearing a helmet, I would be preaching about pizza today. I like pizza, Steve. So I don't have one um, anymore, but it was fun to belong while I could. It's, it just seems ironic to me that, that Harley riders have a way, because isn't a Harley like the epitome of independence? Isn't like a Harley like, I don't, I've, you know, on my steel horse I ride, I don't need anybody else, but we've got a wave, right? We, we got a club, we got a bar, or tens of thousands of us go to Sturgis every year so that we can hang out with other people who don't need anybody, Right? Well, what that proves to me, what that proves to me is that it's really not true that any of us want to be independent completely. We know we need somebody. We know we need community. We want to belong. We want to be a part of something. John Ortberg, a great pastor, grew up in the area around here, said he was in, in the South one time and, uh, at a restaurant, and um, everything came with grits. Absolutely everything came with grits, and he had no idea what a grit was. So finally, he just, you know, turned to the waitress. He said, can you tell me exactly what is a grit? And um, she said, honey, they don't come by themselves. (laughs) You got to have them together or they don't make any sense. And, And I would say that the same thing is true for us. God made everything in the beginning, made the heavens, it was good, the earth, it was good, the water, the animals, mankind, everything was good until he got to this place where man was by himself. And it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't like God was going, oops, I forgot that you need community. He did this on purpose, but he said, it is not good. This is the first time ever there was a not in the good part. It is not good for man to be alone. What God was saying was, honey, they don't come by themselves. What God was saying was that we need to be in community. We need each other. And he wanted Adam to know that before he made Eve so that he could understand how important that was. That's why we need community. What's going on in our world today? Um, We're losing that. We're we're very definitely losing that. I saw a news report this week of 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 a company that wants to open what they call a cuddle house in Madison, Wisconsin. A cuddle house where you would pay money to go in and spend the night cuddling with someone, some random stranger, because you're that lonely. And of course, the, you know, the, the village, the city fathers are kind of like, how does this not turn into something else, you know, along the way? So I doubt if it's going to fly, but the whole idea that, that somebody would pay money to cuddle with someone should show you how lonely we are. And the problem with this is that Time Magazine said the subjective feeling of loneliness increases the risk of death by 26%. I mean, the problem is, as we get more and more lonely, the more other problems we actually have. That's why God said it's not good for man to be alone. And you could say, well, Tim, I've got friends. I've got 367 friends on Facebook. (laughs) 
Do you know that they are measuring now, measurably? You, the more time you spend on Facebook, the more high are your chances of depression. You know why? Because all, well, of course you know why. All you're doing is looking at everybody else. And what are they, what are they posting? Oh, I got fired today, right? Oh, my, I'm having a bad hair day. Oh, this is, no, no, you only post the good stuff. You only post the fake stuff. I mean, some people whine on Facebook. Some people do it way too much. But most people are just going to put their fake selves on Facebook. So I'm sitting there, I'm going, well, my life's not that great, you know? Uh, my life's not that wonderful. And I'm looking at your life, kind of, your fake life, and I'm getting more depressed. And, and you know this. I mean, the problem with all of this technology, and, and I'm, I'm the guy, okay? I, I get it, right? But the problem with it is it makes us more disconnected with the people that we're already with. You have had the experience of sitting in a conversation with someone and had to pull out their phone. Might have been me because I do it too. Pull out their phone and all of a sudden they're on Facebook, they're texting or whatever. And you're like, hey, I'm right here. The, The problem with that is that it's making us lonelier. It seems like we're connected, but it's making us lonelier. A, uh, a sociologist, I'm not making this name up, her name is Lynn Lovin. Duke University reported in USA Today that the average American now has one-third fewer close friends than they did before. One-third, 20 years ago. And, and what she said in this article was that you don't see a sociological change like this happen in 20 years. It's a danger sign for us. In 20 years, we've gone from everybody having, I have three close friends on average, to I only have two close friends on average. And 26% of the people in this study said they had no close friend. They had nobody that they could go to for something. If there was something that was really important going on in their life, they had nobody. 26%. What does the Bible say? Wisest man in the world said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let let me help you to understand that. I mean, a rope made out of three strands, what would that be? That would be me and you and the Holy Spirit put together. That's what a, a Christian marriage ought to look like. That's how it works. And in sailor's terms, that's the strongest kind of rope there is. A cord of three strands put together. But let me unpack this verse, let me unpack this whole thing for you and help you to understand why community is so important and why we don't come by themselves, honey. Number one, they work better together. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. In in terms of doing work, it's called synergy. When you and I work together, we can actually do more than we could have done collectively by ourselves. They did a horse pull in Canada one year and where they had, you know, they do this like tractor pulls, but, you know, they, they, do, they do all these different kinds of things of these, <clears throat> and these farm instruments and these, you know, animal things and different stuff, you know, for people that do this kind of thing, especially in the lumber industry. So they do a horse pull. They had one horse pull 9,000 pounds. And another horse pulled 8,000 pounds, and then they decided they'd put them together. And you would figure, if you were good at math, it would be 17,000 pounds that they would pull together, right? But they pulled 30,000 pounds together. Why? It's a principle called synergy. The simultaneous action of separate agents working together, which has a greater total effect than the sum of their individual efforts. Okay? 
we can do more together. So if you could put two horses together and pull 30,000 pounds, imagine what could happen if you put eight horses together. You could win a world championship. <laughs> Just saying. This is why we put people together on a team. This is why we, we would never let you come and, and say, hey, you know, we want, I, I want to volunteer. Okay, you know, go stand in a corner by yourself and do this. We always want you serving on a team. We always want that to happen together. My son-in-law's parents, who are part of our congregation, his dad is on our parking team. And he, he talks about how even there's, there's even fellowship on the radios as they're working in the parking. You know, they're laughing at you. That's what they're doing. I just want you to know. But it's still fellowship. It's like, oh, watch out for that guy in the truck. He just flipped me off. He's not happy today. You know, I mean, they're, they're doing that all back and forth together. But they have this community. They have this thing that happens. And not only that, but the work gets done faster. The work gets done better when we do it together. Two are better than one because we work better together. Because we support each other better. This, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. This came to me under the heading of why women live longer than men. <laughs> Sometimes we just need some help. Remember the Met Alert commercials? They may still be on, I don't know. You know the, they were always horrible, but you know, it was the help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Some older person that would, that, that would be, you know, and, oh, you got this little Met Alert thing. It's true, and it's sad, and it's hard. Pity the person who falls and has no one to help you up. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church from prison, said, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift and make you strong, and that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That's what happens when we're together. We support one another. And he goes on and he says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. When I carry your burden, I'm fulfilling the law of Christ. What law might that be? Law number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Law number one is what we talked about last week. It's worship. Law number two is taking care of each other, living in community. That's why we, again, that's, this is back to the basics. But here's what's important for you to understand. The New Testament tells of 40 different times, 40 different times when somebody came to Jesus for healing. Of those 40 instances, 34 of them were brought to Jesus by a friend. I don't think anything has changed. I was just talking to some people in between the services about, you know, one person was bringing another friend and bringing it to Jesus, and this is how the whole thing works, and we support each other. That's how it's supposed to be. Another sad story I read this week was of a, of a company in Nanjing, China, you know how overpopulated everything is in the cities in China, that opened a cry bar, a cry bar. For $6 an hour, you can go in, sit on a couch and have tissues and you can cry. And the owner said, the reason I did is because I kept having people tell me, I, I just need to cry, but I don't know where and I don't know when it would be appropriate. So he opened a cry bar. Can you let that sink in? We have one in Chicago. It's called Wrigley Field. <laughs> I, was doing, I did this sermon last night, and a Cub fan came up and said, dude, you missed a great opportunity, and he told me to say that. I'm sorry, okay? Listen, 
Can, can I say this to you now? If you are listening to me right now and you are thinking, I would go to a cry bar. I don't, I don't know where I would go to cry. I need somebody to help me. <laughs> Will you please reach out to us? At the end of our services at every one of these tables that we have around here, there's always a trained Stevens minister, pastoral care person. They're a volunteer that has been trained, and maybe this is something that you, you would have a heart for. They go through an extensive 12-week program in, in teaching them how to help pray and, and, and be with people and minister to people, and, and then they are there. Billy's standing right back in that corner right back there. He, he would love to pray with you after this is over. And we've got a great pastoral staff. We, we've got people that would love to help you and connect you. And we have, if you heard in the announcements in the beginning, we have Grief Share that's starting back up again this year, and we have Divorce Care. I wish we didn't have to have those two things, but, but the people that go to them are, are so thankful. They come to me all the time and say, thank you for having this because I needed those people around me. I'll tell you a really crazy story about why you need to let us help you. Um, I don't know, six months ago or so now, uh, there was a guy in our 530 service, and he walked out of our, our Sunday night service. He walked out of our Sunday night service and got arrested. And um, what happened was that they uh, realized that somebody was in the, one of the police officers was in the service, and they looked over and they saw this guy who had a warrant out for his arrest. So they called the Orland police, and the Orland police picked him up. What was really sad about it was that the local Orland Park paper wrote an article that said, where is your God now, and kind of made light of the fact that this guy went to church and got arrested. What's good about it is that that guy is going to be done with a six-month rehab program and moving back home with his family and back to his life because we found out about him and we figured out how to help him. And we can do that for you too. I'll tell you where his God is now. I was talking to a woman at the VBS program on Friday night, and she came up to me, and her face was just lit up. She was so excited, and she said, I had a hospital thing. I had this thing going on. I was in the hospital, and I told our pastoral staff here, and they, they were amazing, and they came and prayed with me, and they helped me, and that got better. And I had another prayer need with family thing, and that got better. And she said, so I jumped in, and I got involved, and now I'm in involved in the children's ministry, and I, my life is so great now. I can't tell you. And if you stopped this woman on the street, if you saw this woman on the street, you would go, lady, what drug are you on? I want some of that because she was just bubbly. And I'll tell you what, the, I'll tell you the name of the drug. It's the BOC drug. It's the body of Christ, okay? Each one of you is the part of the body of Christ and you're a part of it. And when that's working together, it is unbelievable. It is unstoppable. And that's how you were made. Honey, they don't come by themselves. They keep each other warm. If two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Two Bible college students, a young man and a young woman, were traveling, doing some kind of ministry, and um, they ended up in a snowstorm, and they ended up having to pull over. The snowstorm was so bad, and they found this little cabin that was nearby, and they, you know, they decided they would just spend the night in this cabin. And so they went into this cabin, and uh, all they could find was some firewood. They started a fire. There was no heat. You know, it was really, really cold. Snowstorm going on. Uh, they, they weren't married. They weren't even dating. Just a young man and a young woman stuck in this awkward situation together. So they got blankets, and they tried to lay down for the night. Pretty soon, the, the, the young lady said, hey, could you see if there's any more blankets? And so the guy got up and he went and found some more blankets. And, and then she said, hey, do you think 
that we could like get closer together, maybe body heat would work. And, and he said, yeah, okay, so we got closer together. And then pretty soon she said, I'm still cold. Do you think there are any more blankets? And he got up and he went and found some more blankets and came back. And she said, I'm still cold. Do you think we could get a little bit closer? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll get a little bit closer. And then finally he said, listen, we're out here all alone and it's cold. And I'm just thinking that nobody would know if we just pretended that we were married for this one night. She said, yeah, I think I'd like that. He said, good, then get up and get your own blanket. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. <laughs> Two lie down together, they get warm, right? You understand that. You come in here. You come in at the beginning of the service, and you're like, man, it's cold in here. Why is that? It's because all the late people are going to come in and make it warmer. You know, that's, that's the way it is. And, and, and while I'm talking about that, um, you know, you may notice we're getting crowded again. We have added parking, okay? We have added parking out here again. And last week, middle of August, we had 25 spots was all we had left at the 11 o'clock service. So this is the time of year where we get everybody back on track. And this is the time of year where we get everybody out of the 11 o'clock service. Because if we have to add any more parking, the village is going to make us put a monorail in, okay? <laughs> So, 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 so get out of here. Go to a service that, you know, doesn't get too hot for all the other people. All the services are the same. It really help a lot if you would do that. But you get the idea of keeping warm together. It's doing life together. The Bible says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That's how the family is supposed to work. And, and this works in my life the same as yours. And this is something, I need to say this because it's important that you understand, I'm not against all of the technology I am way closer to my grandson in Nashville because of technology than I would be if I wasn't because we get to FaceTime almost every day, you know, I'm, a, I'm able to do that. And I've got people in my life that are the people that, that help me stay warm and they do it from a distance. It's possible to make that happen. But you've got to be real. And I think the big, I think the most important thing about this warmth deal is that it says when you, when you lie down together, you will have warmth. And I think I kind of always thought about the warmth part together. But lying down means being still. I heard a pastor talk about being in Germany and, and driving on the Audubon one time, you know, which is on my bucket list. I want to, no speed limit, you know, go as fast as you want. And, uh, and so he was riding in this other guy's car. And this other guy had a good sports car. So they were going out on the Audubon. And, and, and he said, as we were going through the city to get there, you know, in the normal roads, we were having this conversation about all the things that were, uh, you know, going on in our lives and talking about ministry and different stuff. And he said, then as we got on the Audubon, the fast we went, the slower the conversation happened. And he said, when we got to top cruising speed over 100 miles an hour, the conversation just stopped. And I, and I think that's another big part of the reason that we don't have community, because we just don't slow down long enough to keep each other warm. We don't lie down. We, we got to stop. I'm preaching to me, okay? Fourth thing is, why are two better than one? Because they can defend each other. What does it say? It says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You understand that, right? Always, it was always better to have your brother with you, right? Or if you were in a fight or to have those people around, whatever you needed. Everybody knows you can't go into the ocean by yourself. It's a dangerous thing. You need the buddy system. One of my all-time favorite movies and every guy's all-time favorite movies is Gladiators. Am I right? 
Am I right, guys? I mean, it's just, it's just I mean, there, there was just something. Maximus was such a class guy and, and ended up it just such a great movie. I actually watched it again last night. I, I just, as I was talking through this sermon, I wanted to see it again. And one of my favorite scenes when it comes to community is the fact that Maximus gets thrown into the Colosseum. He is a, a slave, a gladiator, and he gets thrown into the Colosseum. And he's with these other people that he doesn't know, and they don't know who he is necessarily. And they're in the Colosseum, and they're going to reenact the Battle of Carthage in which the other team slaughters them. So basically, they're, they're brought into the middle of the Colosseum so that these, this other, these other people who have all been trained to work together and have much better you know, ways of doing it are going to beat them in this battle. And, and Maximus, as the great leader that he was, he gathers everybody together and he says, listen... The only way we're going to survive is if we stay together. And his classic line is, whatever comes out of that gate, stay together. We support each other. Two are better than one. One can be overpowered, but if we stay together, we, we won't be. And we do have an enemy. We talked about the war of worship last week. We have an enemy who wants to take us down. So who's watching your back right now spiritually? I could list those people off for you. I hope you've got some people that you could list off for me. And if there's not anybody watching your back spiritually, you've got a big target on your back. You better figure that out. And the second part is whose back are you watching out for? Because there are people around you that need the same thing, that need for you to say, I'm going to be with you through thick and thin. The Bible began with 3,000 people in the very first church. I'm going to talk about this in the Rumor Has It series a little bit more, but, but i got to point this out. Sometimes people are like, no, I, think I, I think I need a small church so that I can know people. And, and, and that's great. God bless you if that, you know, I mean, this isn't for everybody. I, I, get, I get that. But you're only going to know about 75 or 100 people, period. So it doesn't matter if you go to a church of 75 people or you go to a church of 750 people or 7,500 people. You're still only going to know 75 people. So really, it's about getting to know people. And the, and the Bible, the church started out, it says, in the, they accepted his message. They were baptized. About 3,000 were in their number that day. That was the very beginning. But then watch what happens in the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer, and everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by all the apostles. And all the believers were together, and they had everything in common, two or better than one, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, that was like this, big place for church, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, here, here, here's my question about that. My question is, did they have to have community? Did they have to make community because they grew so fast? Or did they grow so fast because they had community? I, I, don't, know, I don't know the answer to that. I think it goes both directions. But here's what I would tell you. If a group of Christian people have that body of Christ drug they're taking together, it's going to grow. It's going to get bigger because people are going to want some of that. So we're doing this, this risk it thing. I'm calling it risk it because for you, that means getting out on the diving board and doing something about it. I can't make you get in community. I can't make you worship. I can't make you serve. I can't make you share. I can't do that. You're going to have to risk it. 
And I know that what happens when we decide to go jump off the diving board is that we're really afraid we're going to mess up. And we might do something like this. That's my neighbor kid, Frankie. That was a good belly flop, Frankie. Isn't that awesome? That's what we're afraid of. We're going we're gonna to blow it. We're going to do something like that. We're, it, it's hard to open yourself up to other people. I get that. It's much easier to just stay closed. C.S. Lewis, after cancer took his wife, was wondering if love was worth it. Pain was so great because he had loved this woman and she'd left. She'd died. And he wrote these words. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung out and possibly broken. If you want to make sure that you keep it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and your little luxuries and lock it up in a safe in the casket or the coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Your love will not be broken. It will become unbreakable. It will become impenetrable. It will become irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from the dangers of love is hell. I'm asking you to risk it. What could you do? Well, we're going to do our, our big small group launch. It's called It's Your Soul Man, which is going to happen in the beginning of October. And Casey and I are doing the teaching for it and all that kind of stuff. But we're doing this three-week series coming up after next weekend, and it's just called Rumor Has It. And if you took out your next steps card and put your information in there and checked out that box, we will send you some questions. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Find some people. It could be your family. It could be people you know already. You know, you know, just don't go meet some stranger on the street and say, hey, you want to have a small group? I mean, find some people that you know, because they don't. Find some people that you know, because they will want to be involved in your life. Who are some people that you should be, you should have their back, and they should have your back? And figure out a time, once a week for three weeks, to sit down for a half an hour, an hour, and go through these questions, and talk about what's really going on in your life. Yeah, it's risky. Yeah, it's risky, but you need it. USA Today, I read an article in there the other day, they're talking about the things that you do for your health. And they said having friends is the number two thing you can do for your health. Number one is to quit smoking. Okay? Number two is to have friends. So if you can't quit smoking, get in a small group. That's the way that thing goes. We're going to do this together, and there are other opportunities here. We do as much as we possibly can around here to try to find a way to connect you. Bill Brown, our executive pastor, is getting ready to start in, uh, in mid-September a, a group for men. It'll be, there'll be hundreds of guys that'll come on Saturday morning, 7.30 to 8.45, and it's called Seven Questions That Rattle Around in the Minds of Most Men. Teachings by Andy Stanley on video, and then you'll get in a little group around the table and talk about this. You'll get to know some guys. It's, it's not going to be that difficult. And, and we have all kinds of stuff. If you'll watch the bulletin, if you'll watch our website, get on there and check out what's going on. We have all kinds of different ways to connect you in community. And listen, we don't have these gatherings so that you can look at the back of somebody's head. 
We have these gatherings so that we can do worship and we can do loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's why we do this, because it is not good for man to be alone. God said that in the beginning. We need each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, you complete me. Somebody just got engaged down there. Congratulations. I mean, it's a cheesy movie, but, it, but, but the point it, when it comes to human beings is actually true. It's not really true in marriage that you have to have a partner, but you do need a human being. You do need human beings in your life. That's why all throughout the Bible... You had people in groups, in pairs. You had Moses and Aaron. You had Joshua and Caleb, Naomi and Ruth, David and Jonathan, Daniel and his friends. In Jesus' ministry, what does he do? He comes in. The first thing he does is he starts a small group. He gets 12 guys and puts them together. And out of the 12 guys, there's three guys that are really close and that he hangs out with the most. And they're the ones that are his support network, his intimate friends. And then he gets ready to send the disciples. He says, I'm going back to heaven, and I'm going to send you out. And what does he tell them? He says, don't go out by yourself. He says, whatever comes out of that gate, stay together. He says, literally, go out two by two. I do not want you by yourself. So you see Peter and James and Paul and Barnabas, and you see the groups of people going out. That's how it always was. We are a body, and we need each other. So whatever that means for you, take your body of Christ pill and jump in.